Good morning. It is time to get up with Jerry Jones. He seems to have Dak's back. Says the flack has been whack. But is his team finally ready to go on the attack? Meanwhile, the truth hurts. The Eagles' magic carpet ride of a season hits some choppy air. Should the quarterback play this week whether he's cleared or not? And then two legendary quarterbacks say the Jets have mishandled the most important player on their team. The question is, are they right? We will answer that and all the questions as we get up with you on this Wednesday, starting right now with Kmart and Dominique and Rob Nikovich, and we have a terrific show planned for you today, but there is only one place we can begin, and if you are a football fan of about my age or older, I have news that is going to break your heart. Steelers Hall of Famer Franco Harris has died. He was 72 years old. His death comes just days before the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception and just days before the team was scheduled to retire his number 32. He played for the Steelers from 1972 to 1983. He was, of course, most famous for this one play, the Immaculate Reception as the Steelers won their first playoff game. Again, it was 50 years ago this week, December 23rd of 1972. If you know anything about football, you have seen this time and time again. There is a statue of it in the airport in Pittsburgh when you arrive. It was voted the greatest play in the history of the National Football League, but Franco Harris was so much more than just one play. At the time of his retirement, he was the third all-time leading rusher in the history of the sport behind only Jim Brown and Walter Payton. He was the heartbeat of the offense of teams that won four Super Bowls among the greatest dynasties in the history of American sports. You see the rest of the accomplishments there. He was the MVP of the first Super Bowl that they won against the Vikings in which he outrushed the entire Vikings team 158 to 17. He was a Hall of Famer enshrined in 1990. Again, uh, the news is sad and it is just coming into our newsroom that Franco Harris has died at the age of 72. We do not have word yet on a cause of death. Uh, again, there are so many people that we would love to talk to about this. This was at a time when there were very few one-name stars. If you were a football fan in the 70s, you didn't need to hear the last name. Franco was more than enough, and we have a lot of phone calls out. We will try and, and get some reaction this morning from those who played with him or against him or those who were his friends. Again, this news has just come into our newsroom in the last hour or so. Terribly sad that Franco Harris has died, and we will have more as the morning continues. In the meantime, let's get to the show that we were planning to do this morning because we have an enormous football game for you this week. One of the biggest of the year. The Eagles visiting the Cowboys on Christmas Eve, and so much is at stake. As we speak, Dallas trailing the Eagles by three games with three games to play. With a win, the Cowboys keep their faint division hopes alive. Meanwhile, the Eagles clinch the East and the number one seed with a win. But the big question is, will we see their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, the MVP contender, dealing with a spring? throwing shoulder coach Nick Sirianni has not ruled him out for Saturday's game on the other side Dak Prescott has thrown a league high 10 interceptions since week seven including a pair in Sunday's loss to the Jaguars so Jerry Jones how do you think your quarterback played last week outstanding we can win with him playing like that to be tried I thought he played outstanding and uh, as we see, he wasn't playing against chop liver out there. And so uh, I thought he did really well. I thought he made good decisions. Overall, if he'll play like that, we can win most games. 
So we got that soundbite while we were on yesterday, and Dominic, you're with me. We were all just a tad stunned um, because the adjective outstanding seems a bit much. Um, the question, however, is, is it good enough? It appears the division is going to be out of reach. Mm -hmm. But, Kmart, they're not trying to win a division. They're trying to win a Super Bowl. With Dak Prescott playing the way he is playing, do the Cowboys have any chance of doing that? The only person who uses outstanding more this guy. <laughs> and every time he says it, word. it loses its value. That was not outstanding play. I think with Dak, he was excellent in the first half. So if Dak plays like that, first half Dak, we can roll with that. But when you and I was last week, I defended Dak and the, the interceptions because historically in his career, he's a guy who's taking care of the football. But what we've seen this season, especially at the time where you come off Cooper Rush, keeping things even keel, they're winning games, and then you expect, okay, now they're going to kick it up a notch with Dak. To sort of see him turn the ball over like this in a pick six end the game, he even talked about that's frustrating. You can't have that. I think first half Dak, all with it. But what we saw in the second half, you can't have that. So, first of all, your eyeshadow today? Oh, don't even. You know what? It's iridescent. You know what? That's it's how, like, that's what, is, what, what color is, is that? That dragonfly wing? It's beautiful. <laughs> But I do think that oh, being a quarterback shucks. of the team means you're going to get a lot of credit, a lot of blame, yes. particularly of the Cowboys. Dak Prescott has not been great. But right. let's be clear. When we all started to believe that the Cowboys were a Super Bowl contender, it was when Dak was out. It was because we were like, damn, that defense mm -hmm. is really good. They haven't been that recently. So I think Dak, the way that Dak played um, this weekend is not good enough, especially if you're not going to get that lockdown defense that they become accustomed to. Let's let Ninko take a victory lap because on this oh, show, boy. both That's right. Thursday and That's Friday, right. you were predicting over great pushback that the Jaguars were going to beat the Cowboys. And I will admit yeah. that when yeah. Dallas had a 17-point lead late in that game, I was, <laughs> I was thinking, nervous. I was Ninko doesn't know what he's talking about at all. So, so – is it on Dak, though? Is, is this – when you've got a 17-point lead in, in the second half of a football game, you're supposed to win it, especially if you have a good defense. How much of this is really about the quarterback? It's not all on Dak. I mean, it's a team sport. You have to look at the defense. You have to look at other factors in this. But, you know, I would just say this. Turnovers are a huge deciding factor, especially mm -hmm. in the playoffs. And Hembo hit me with this number, numbers, and we were talking about Canty. Numbers. I'm not the numbers guy. Numbers, numbers. But I would say this. In the playoffs, if you throw more than just one interception, if you have multiple interceptions, you have a 75% chance of losing that game. So when you look at the numbers of Dak, he has 17 touchdowns with 11 picks. Yeah. Now, you have to take care of the football. That, that, uh, those 11 interceptions isn't through the full season because we know he was out. Mm -hmm. So he has to take care of the football better, especially in the playoffs. If they have an opportunity in the playoffs, you can't have two turnovers, especially from the quarterback position. So it's not all on Dak. Right. If you have a 17-point lead, you should have a little bit of cushion there with your defense. The defense has not played up to par since Dak's been back. That's the point. And yeah. Rex Ryan was sitting in that seat on Monday, and that's where he focused. Look, there were a lot of things. There are a lot of reasons the Cowboys lost that game. And if you were going to put reason, you were going to sort of rank them in order. Dak wouldn't come amongst the top two or three. The defense yeah. would be at the top of the list. I think that pick six at the end is like made us focus on the quarterback and focus on the offense. But this offense was constructed for these situations. 
get a lead, they're mm-hmm. pass rushers. Right. Mm-hmm. And their offense created a big enough lead that we thought this game was going to be out of reach, and they couldn't put it out of reach. That was the problem. To your interception or your turnover point, you're right, but all turnovers aren't created equal. True. I think one of the bad things about Dak, Dak's turnovers recently is they've been in very poor spots on the field and poor spots in the game. But I don't think that anyone has lost faith in Dak. It was just a week ago that he left a 98-yard scoring drive to win the game. And in this game, I promise you, even Nico, who thought that the Cowboys were going to lose, <laughs> when Dak had the ball at the start of overtime, we all felt that they, he was going to go down and score and win if it weren't for a uh, kind of dropped uh, drop pass that turned into an interception. Final thought. I think it's a de- – I agree. But the defense is really the issue because even their players are saying – we're watching tape of other guys, but other guys are watching tape on us, right. and we have got to figure out how to be better if we're going to be the team we want to be. Meanwhile, the team they want to beat this weekend uh-huh. is the Eagles, a team they've been chasing all year and now, as we said before, are almost certainly not going to catch regardless of the outcome this weekend. But we all know the big story in Philly is about the quarterback. Here's Nick Sirianni on Jalen Hurts. He's at a sprained shoulder, and I do not put it past Jalen Hurts I don't put anything past Jalen Hurts um, as far as his mental and physical toughness. So there's a chance he could play this week. Definitely a chance. Um, taking it day by day, though. I'm taking everything one day at a time with it and um, preparing versus a really good defense. We're going we're to talk about that defense today. Make sure we don't miss that. All right, so he's you know, taking a little shot back after the Micah Parsons thing from last week. But here's the question. He's got a shoulder. They have a comfortable lead. Right. Mm-hmm. That is still the defense as unspectacular as they've been that gets after the quarterback. Even if the doctors say he can play, should he this weekend? I don't think he should. There really feels like no like pressure to play. To get the number one seed, they could win one of these other games going forward. Beating the Saints will be great for them because they have the Saints pick. That mm-hmm. makes their draft pick even a little bit better. So mm-hmm. that's the game that you should bring him back for. But I'm not as much concerned about how Jalen Hurts is going to feel or perform because quarterbacks can come back off a separated shoulder. We saw that he could continue to throw the ball in this game off Mm -hmm. a separated shoulder. What I'm concerned about, or excuse me, a a sprained shoulder. What I'm concerned about is what that does to their game plan, which made them so special offensively is that they can have a quarterback run-centric offense one week, then a deep pass-centric offense the next week, then short passes the week after that. But now we're taking a key ingredient off the table. They're not going to be likely to call a lot of quarterback runs. It makes them a lot easier to defend, and it's going to make it a lot more difficult for Jalen Hurts and this whole team. Like, it makes it easier for Miles Sanders when um, Jalen Hurts is running. It makes it easier for the receivers to be more likely to get um, favorable matchups when uh, the defense has to account for Jalen Hurts' running ability. So it's going to hurt them uh, going forward, whether he feels great or not. Just the idea of limiting limiting their uh, opportunities or their strategies going forward. So I definitely do not think he should play this week. Um, but the Eagles are 13-1. and one. But a more important number to me is 34. That's the amount of time. If we don't see Jalen Hurts on the field and th- we assume they're going to get the first round, that's the amount of time that would elapse if, with him not on the field. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is too long of a window for him to not be on the field. I hear you on he can take time off and still come back and be fine. But with this offense, with this team, I think it's important that we at least see Jalen yeah. on the field 
before the playoffs start. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I really think that they should make sure they sit him down for this game, mm-hmm. particularly this this game. But there's a sprain is so subjective. Yeah. You know, what, what type of sprain and is it is it what is the the degree of separation? Basically, I'm not talking six de- degrees of right. separation. Mm-hmm. I'm talking, you know, what yeah. what is the actual issue here? Is it the rotator cuff? Is it your labrum? Is it just a bruise? And all those things on your recovery, if you're especially your throw, throwing shoulder. What, at what point does a hit or landing on the ground, if your arm's mm-hmm. trapped, does that affect you mm-hmm. in the playoffs? So you have to really be careful here. Tread water. Make sure that you get through this season. Hold on to that number one seed and don't give it up. But I don't think he'll be out the rest of the season. And if that's the case, like, like Kim's saying, I think that that could throw a little uh, a chink right there in, in the armor as far as you get into the playoffs. You don't play the rest of the season. Could be a problem. It's interesting because you and I have had this conversation a lot. The Cowboys had significant adversity early. Quarterback right. goes down. 49ers have had all kinds of adversity this year. Cowboy, I mean, uh, the Eagles yeah. generally had had none. Here it is. Here's yeah. the adversity. This feels like a level of adversity, but it's still not that high. My guess is if they needed these next two games or any of these next games, oh, yeah. Jalen Hurts would play. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this is a luxury that they've afforded themselves that they can rest them. This yeah. is, to me, feels like since he finished that game, if they had to have him play like I've separated my shoulder before and I'm certainly not a quarterback put a quarter zone shot in it three days later you're back out practicing and playing I think that Jalen Hurts would follow that same model if they needed him so this still to me doesn't feel like the highest level of adversity that we saw Dak out for multiple weeks in the 49ers like you mentioned they're down to their third quarterback now I I agree by the way with what you said though the the first playoff the divisional weekend January 21st that's a long way off it would be rough to be off that period of time and then come right back cold. So I I do expect that we will see him at some point this regular season. As we continue, we're going to continue to see Aaron Rodgers as the regular season goes on. Are the pack really back? Can Rodgers save his season and their season and their future? We're talking about it. Plus, is this Zach Wilson's last chance in New York? Has he failed the Jets or have the Jets failed him? Wait till you hear what a Hall of Fame quarterback thinks. He will as we roll on. It's Get Up on ESPN. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, their most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at dell.com slash deals that's dell.com slash deals 
Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Get Up is brought to you by Sixth. Don't rent a car, rent the car. Sixth, rent the car. All right, we roll along, and as we approach Christmas, uh, we are going to do something a little special today. We are going to welcome in now jolly old Saint Ninkovich, who is going to present his nice list as we get this beard on. Uh, as uh, it, we are, we are doing the the nice the, the nice list here with Ninko. Oh, ho, ho, My beard is not staying on my face. Okay, that's okay. You know what? You have a beard anyway. Yes. So let's just live with that. Who are the three players or teams that are on the St. Ninkovich nice list this year? Well, Greeny, ho, ho, ho. I would say, first of all, Dan Campbell <laughs> is on the nice list. He's done a great job with the Lions. They've won many games, a lot more than we thought they would there, Greedy. So, yes, Dan Campbell is going to have a nice gift under his Christmas tree from Santa. Okay, who else is on the uh, list? Maybe a quarterback in San Francisco. How about Brock Purdy? <laughs> this, this young lad, third-string quarterback, rookie, Mr. Irrelevant, has done a terrific job. Ho, ho, ho. Brock Purdy doing are, are, a great are, job. My, my beard is not staying on, children. Are you are you under the impression that Santa Claus is the is the MC like the announcer on a game show? <laughs> well, are you Green. asking people to come on down? The voice you've chosen for this is fascinating to me. Santa is magical. Oh, the well, voice is great. How about the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals? Yes, the Cincinnati Bengals, Greeny. They've done a terrific job as well. I, I do believe that they are a team of destiny and they might be back in the Super Bowl. So those, ho, ho, ho. those are the three <clears throat> that make uh, Saint, jolly old St. Ninko's uh, n- nice list. Uh, we've got the Brock Purdy and we've got the Bengals and we've got oh, the man. Dan Campbell. What do we think of that? I mean, you got to take big swings. You don't always connect, <laughs> but you got to take big swings. <laughs> we are. I'm having a hard time with this. I'm I'm emotionally scarred by their children at home. Emotionally scarred. It's a good list, though. The voice, uh, not so great. The beard, man. But the list, outstanding. 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 A very Merry Christmas to all and to all a good morning. Merry Christmas. Let's see how Christmas works out for Aaron Rodgers. His Packers have won two straight. They can possibly still sneak into the playoffs. Here was the quarterback yesterday with Pat McAfee saying he lost likes the way his team is playing. I feel good about uh, the momentum we're creating. Now people would be like, oh, you beat a couple bad football teams. Yeah, but we, we won a couple games in a row. And, and honestly, in this league, it honestly doesn't matter who you beat. When you start 
stacking some things together and, and the momentum starts to roll, this the confidence grows. You just kind of get this thing, this mojo going and, you know, we feel like we can beat anybody. Okay, uh, and so they're going to have to beat everybody they play. They need to win out the rest of the way at Dolphins, then home Vikings and Lions. Should they do that, they would uh, have a 72% chance of the other things on the list that they need uh, getting them into the playoffs. But let's start with the winning out, you know, because it's one thing to say, I love the way we're playing, we can beat anybody, all that kind of stuff. But St. Nick, as one who told me (laughs) that they were done months ago, I mean, they've beaten the Bears and the the Rams with with a bye in between. So uh, what, what do we think of their chances of winning out, beating anybody at this stage? I'm channeling my inner Rob Ryan right now. I feel pretty cool. Um, I just I don't. I really, honestly, that, that when they beat the Bears, they beat a bad team. They yeah. beat the Rams. They beat a bad team. Right. So there's there's nothing there that that proves to me and shows me that this is going to be a miraculous turnaround of the Packers. They are what they are. They're they're which is a what bad football team. They're a bad football team. And Aaron well, Rodgers. Uh, isn't they're, playing his best football. They've lost to bad teams earlier in the season, so being able to beat bad teams is an improvement. <laughs> and I think that they are getting better. The offensive line is getting better. That's the most important part, I think, is protecting Aaron Rodgers going into next year. Like you, I think this year is over, but projecting the next year, protecting that and improving that defense. Okay, Martin, I should have asked the question directly. Are the Packers going to make the playoffs? No. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. I, no. No. I, it, when I think of this question, the first thing that comes to my mind is that scene from Mean Girls, like, Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> like, I understand Aaron has to have the confidence he's the quarterback. But if you look at the way he's screaming at guys on the field, with his receivers, I don't I, – he's not playing well. And, yeah. Dominique, what you just said about early in the season they lost to bad teams and now they're beating bad teams. Like, that sort of benchmark, like, that's where the benchmark is, like, all the way down here. And I just don't see how you're going to go to Miami, how you're going to beat – the Lions, you're going to beat the Vikings? I just don't see that. If they beat the Dolphins this weekend, will yeah. it change your opinion? It's a te- Miami needs this yeah. game. They're at home. I think Miami is a big test for them. If they can beat Miami, Miami is one of those teams that I is, is, this will be like their first good win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They beat the Dolphins. That will let me know that this team is better than we've been talking about. Uh, the way that they won last week is not doesn't give me a bunch of confidence that they're going to move forward and they'll be great. But Miami, they beat Miami. Those other two teams are also beatable. They have everything in the world working against them in this game in Miami, by the the way, the Dolphins played Saturday, so they have a long week. The right. Packers played Monday night, so they have a short week. They're going on the road, albeit you know, sometimes the cold weather teams going down to Miami yeah. in December is a bit of an advantage. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you guys like going down there. You hate going down there in September. You like going down there mm-hmm. in December, don't you? No. It's, it, no. no. I'm, it's about <laughs> as hot as I am in this suit right now. <laughs> um, it's very warm. Uh, when you're used to the cold air and you're practicing outside and you feel great, you feel in shape. You mm-hmm. feel like you can mm-hmm. run forever then you go down to Florida and you're 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 ripping your pads off you're you're trying to unbuckle your straps because you can't breathe that's a big guy talking. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, 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 no. Take me down south. I'm trying no. to get down there. Well, under most circumstances, no. But in football season, get me down. All right, at the risk of trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> I, I can't control what the Giants do, what the Commanders do, or what the Seahawks can do. Mm-hmm. Are the Packers going to win out? Will they hold up their end of the bargain at Miami, home Minnesota, home Detroit? Greeny, were you not... <laughs> no chance. No. No chance. Let's yeah. move on. No, no. chance. No. Okay. No chance. Fair enough. Then, then look, we'll see. I mean, Rogers says he likes the way they're playing. At this point, I feel a little bit hesitant to just discount it. And I'm also having a little He's tough time looking in this direction. 
right, as we continue, uh, the truth hurts. The oh. Eagles' magic carpet ride of a season hit some choppy air with Jalen's injury. Sal Palantonio will join us live to tell us exactly what it means. <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, we welcome you back to Get Up this morning. And if you were just joining us, I opened the show by saying that we have breaking news that if you are my age or older, is going to break your heart. Steelers Hall of Famer Franco Harris has died. He was 72 years old. This comes just days before the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, maybe the most famous play in football history. It comes just days before the Steelers were scheduled to retire his iconic jersey number 32. Franco Harris played for the Steelers from 1972 to 1983. He was, of course, best known for this play. Again, voted the greatest play in football history. When you fly into the city of Pittsburgh in the airport, there is a statue of Franco Harris running this touchdown in against the then Oakland Raiders in an AFC playoff game. It was the first playoff victory in the Steelers history at that time and it really kicked off although they didn't win the championship that year it kicked off the dynasty that the Steelers would become in the 70s and Franco Harris was in the center of all of it and for as long as there has been ESPN the preeminent voice of pro football on this network has been Chris Berman and so I'm so grateful that Boomer has gotten up early with us here to share some memories today. Boomer, obviously, incredibly sad news with the passing of Franco Harris. And as I have been saying all morning long, he was so much more than just one play. Can, can you share some of your thoughts and recollections of the great Franco Harris this morning? 
Well, good morning, Greeny, and I and my condolences to his wife Dana and and, and his son and 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 millions of fans, Steelers or not, football or human being fans. Um, well, you hit on uh, to those that don't know his accomplishments. We're all stunned by this. Seventy-two is certainly not very old. Um, it was the immaculate reception, regarded as you say, the greatest play of all time. We selected it even ourselves. It's not about that. Franco, for all the superstars, right, and you've met a ton, and we all have, was about the most humble, decent, kind, giving. You know, he was much more than this brute of a running back. No, I mean, brute, he wasn't, you know, 260 pounds slamming through the middle. But he, on offense, epitomized the Steelers on defense and the Steelers' grit and really the Steelers city that what you just read that this is only going to be the third number to be retired. You go, you shake your head greedy, right? Mm-hmm. And go, how is that possible? But if you think about it, if the Steelers retired all the numbers that they should, that there wouldn't be any left. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Frank Franco was a ultimate teammate. He was um, like I said, became quickly a pillar in the community and, of course, still is uh, and, and always will be. And uh, we're, we're just all saddened because mean Joe Green and him and, of course, Terry, I mean, I, you know, all the great players they had, you think of the Steelers, you cannot think of number 32. You cannot. It's absolutely right, and this came so suddenly and so stunningly. Um, he was a guest on Chris Mad Dog Russo's radio show yesterday. Our Steelers reporter, Brooke mm. Pryor, is, sent me a note saying that she was with him and spent a half hour with him yesterday. There was so much attention being paid because of the anniversary this weekend of the Immaculate Reception. They've uh, scheduled, as you know, Boomer, the Steelers to play the Raiders to commemorate that, and the, and the Steelers, again, were going to are going to retire his number this weekend. A quick moment, if you could, for the younger fans on just how great a player he was. He was a, a, an, an unimaginable gentleman, and that's the most important story today. But when he retired, he was the third leading rusher in the history of the yeah. sport behind only Jim Brown and Walter Payton. Just a moment on how genuinely great a player he was. Well, uh, and to appreciate, uh, yes, those are the names you need to know. He retired. He was behind those two, Walter and Jim Brown. Um, he you know, the 70s was a different game than we're seeing now, if we're just speaking to the younger. By far, uh, the 70s was a different game than it was 20 years later, even the 90s, as you know. Um, for him to gain over 12,000 yards against teams that knew, okay, they're running the ball, right? That That's what they're doing. I mean, Terry Bradshaw and Swan and Stallworth, yes, the Steelers had a lot, a lot of weapons for that time, but it was still a running game by far. And so for him to... I mean, I think he was a great money back. I mean, if you look at the Super Bowls, Greeny, um, Mm -hmm. he may still have the most. I know that they play it differently now. He he was in four of them, but he may still have the most yards rushing of anyone. He does. Chris, he does. He he remains the all-time leading rusher in Super Bowl history. Well, the first one, um, I know he had a huge game, 100. 50 plus yards against Minnesota, and he had, you know, the two Dallas games. He, he, all four of them. I, I think he scored the last touchdown of the Steelers dynasty. I, I mean, I quickly was brushing up against the Rams when they were actually down in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he, 
crunch time, you know, one-yard run, 15-yard run, immaculate reception, Franco was always there for the Steelers. And, of course, in that time, you really didn't have too many self-promoters. He certainly was, as we started this interview, one of the most humble but great players in, 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 in any sport that I personally have ever met. I, I know I visited with him. I want to say he was at Canton this summer. He always went. Do I, you know, it's all pretty quick. He made an effort to come all the time. In other words, the ultimate teammate, even all these years, you know, 40 after he retired, we go to Canton because that's my team, you know, Steelers mm-hmm. and otherwise. So, well, you know, you said it beautifully. If you're our generation or a little older, you cannot think of football without those Steelers and without that play and without those names that epitomize greatness and dedication. And it's why the Steelers are, you know, that team was a long time ago, Greeny, right? Mm. I mean, it really was. But Look at the Steeler fans in 50 states and, and God knows how many countries. That team, of which he was one of the pillars, is the reason. And that's 50 years later that they're a Steeler fan because of that team, which started with that improbable, not even the right word, play. I, I, one little aside, which is not a big deal. When we ran down our plays, and you know, and I, that was my and our our group uh, picking mm-hmm. them, the day that number five to one or four to one, I don't remember how we did it. I remember calling him in the afternoon. Not, but, but look, he knows how great and how important it was, right? Okay, but he knew he was so grateful and humble and kind. Of, really, Chris, after all the hmm. plays, you're going to pick that one. Hmm. That was Franco Harris to a team. Chris Berman, our conversation this morning would never have been complete without you. Thank you very much for getting up here today. As, as I say, for those of you who are about my age, a little piece of your childhood died today. The, for football as we know it was built on the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys of the 1970s. And another who knows that as well as anyone is our Sal Palantonio, who is a Hall of Fame voter and has been on the Hall of Fame selection committee for quite some time and was scheduled to join us here to talk about the news from Philadelphia. And I will get to that, Sal, but I would be remiss if I did not ask for a quick recollection and a quick thought from you again on the news for those just joining us today that Franco Harris has died at the age of 72. Well, Michael, going to the Hall of Fame every year with Chris Berman, when you would see Franco Harris, he always had a kind word for everybody, a true gentleman, as you said, a very humble guy, very giving guy of his personal time. But so many times he would come into the room and the atmosphere in the room would instantly change because he was there. But I think it's very important to talk about, you know, the Mount Rushmore of the NFL in the history of the league. You got Namath in the 60s. Franco Harris of the 70s certainly has got to be on the Mount Rushmore for the National Football League, right? Because mm-hmm. not only did he change, the, the sport was changing at that time, and it became 
uh, the television sport that we know it. During the 70s, you had the big red machine and baseball was still big. But the Steelers and Franco Harris put the NFL on the launch pad culturally that launched the NFL into the true television sport that it became in the 80s and the 90s. And it was that one play and the Steelers dynasty that really put them on the launch pad for the NFL. I mean, you could argue that this network, which started in 1979 and started because of the explosion of sports on television, really started from that one play by Franco Harris launching the Steelers dynasty in the 70s and the overwhelming uh, America's game concept of the National Football League and what it meant nationally to sports fans all over America. I, I, I do not think that is hyperbole. The Steelers, in those days, they, they were the blue-collar, representing a blue-collar city, and they had a blue-collar approach. And then the Dallas Cowboys on the other side, their arch-rival, who were the flashy, uh, rep, you know, with the cheerleaders and the star on the helmet and everything else. That, that's where football, as we know it, was born. Uh, for everyone who has come since then, that is where this, uh, what, this, this iteration of pro football that has become overwhelmingly the most significant entertainment vehicle in our country, that's where it was all born. Anyway... Uh, Sal, we have you here this morning. We will continue to remember Franco Harris, of course, all morning long, and it's difficult to transition at any time. But we did want to get your um, information, if we could, here with the very latest on the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts, with the shoulder injury that he has suffered. He and the coach yesterday suggesting it is not out of the question that he plays this weekend. The one seed feels like it is something of a foregone conclusion, Sal. So what do we know about how they will handle him, not just this weekend, but the rest of the season? Well, let's start with what we know this week. What I'm hearing from players and coaches is that the Philadelphia Eagles are preparing as if Gardner Minshew will start a quarterback against the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas on Christmas Eve. Now, Jalen Hurts, of course, is adamant that he wants to push himself to play. But he also said yesterday, Greeny, that he wants to do the right thing for the football team. And I heard you earlier on the show talking about a shoulder injury, right? Mm -hmm. So he has a shoulder sprain. By definition, that is a tear in the shoulder ligaments. You have two football players on your panel there. They can talk about that. The ligaments connect the shoulder blade to the clavicle and the sternum. So important when you're throwing a football. You want to make sure that you get that tear fully healed before you put a football in your hand, especially in practice or in a football game. And it's very important. And we've seen it with a lot of Baker Mayfield last year. You know, you're very familiar with Chad Pennington and the New York mm -hmm. Jets, how they mm -hmm. didn't really take care of the shoulder, and it became a long-term issue. So it's very important that it fully heals, and I think that's the one thing that they are looking at with Jalen Hurts. This guy's the MVP of the National Football League. They get the best record in the National Football League. They have two home games after this. Saints and the Giants at Lincoln Financial Field. I think you err on the side of caution when it comes to Jalen Hurts and that shoulder tear. I think that is the expectation here. Sal, outstanding. Thank you so much for sharing your recollections on Franco Harris and then, of course, the latest here in Philadelphia. We will leave it there. We'll have more on, on all of this as we continue, as also uh, is coming up here on Get Up this morning. Two legendary quarterbacks say that the Jets have mishandled the most important player on that team. The question is, are they right? And we will answer it right after this. You're watching Get Up on ESPN.
Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Back on Get Up, the Jets will start Zach Wilson at quarterback tomorrow night against Trevor Lawrence and the surging Jacksonville Jaguars. That's because Mike White is still dealing with a rib injury, remains not cleared by doctors. I want you to hear what Alex Smith and Steve Young had to say yesterday about how the Jets are handling Zach Wilson. Develop him. You know, Mike LaFleur, spend the time with him. Talk to him. Communicate with him. Support him. Like the whole New York's chances for the Jets to go and beat those teams is sitting with this guy right here. As much as we want to compliment Coach Sala and how, what he's done with this team, he deserves just as much criticism for what he's done in this quarterback room. The QB musical chairs weekly, like, you're the starter this week. You're the backup. You're not dressing. No, you you start this week. Yeah. I think he realizes he's mismanaged this and hasn't supported him, and you have a window now to, to, to get behind him. So that was Alex Smith, oh whose voice you heard there, and then Steve Young before that. And that is a perspective that I don't know that we have generally heard so far. Why are you shaking your head at me? Because, I mean, it happens to all of us where we, like, project ourselves and what, how we would want to be treated. And I think as two former quarterbacks, they don't like the way that, that um, Josh, or excuse me, that Zach Wilson is being treated because they're imagining how they would feel in that situation. But the fact of the matter is I think Robert Salas handled this situation as well as can be expected. Yeah. They, were, they stuck with him for as long as they could. And then they realized that he needed – his like his snow globe shaken up a little bit <laughs> and you bench him you tell him you can't dress to try to get his attention and I think that that's the best thing you can possibly do the Zach Zach played as well as he's played in his career this weekend it wasn't great but it was better I think what Robert Saul has been doing is we don't think about being a head coach as like an emotional management position but that's what it is oftentimes and he's learning becoming a better head coach and I think his quotes after these games even when Zach Wilson doesn't play are encouraging it's the right thing to do and they're in a good position I don't know how we can find any if someone is to be criticized in this, in this situation to me it's not Robert Sala what do you think no I, exactly right Dominique I, I think as a coach you want to be a teacher but also you need to understand how to motivate each and at each in every individual player. Some guys are motivated differently. Some yeah. guys you can praise them and they'll be fine. Some guys you can't. Some guys you have to say, well, that man, you can't do that, huh? You're not very yeah. good, are you? Oh, yeah, I'll show you, coach. Yeah. And you go out there and you perform. Some guys have to be sat down. 
And then they, they're motivated through that. Like, oh, well, Particularly when you're a, a, a great player in yes. college. You're yes. the second overall pick. You come yeah. into New York. You're the man. Everything yeah. happens. And everything's working out for you. Sometimes what that player needs is exactly. to be like, no, you're not. Yeah. And these guys in these locker rooms don't, don't believe in you. The piece of this story that, and I did not get to see the entire conversation that Alex and Steve Young were having, Kmart, but the piece of the story that was not mentioned there and has not been mentioned here is the way the other players on that team have reacted to Zach Wilson. I don't know that the way that Robert Sala has handled this situation was as much as the way he would have wanted to as the way I, th- I think he felt he had to right. based on the, the tenor of the locker room and the way mm-hmm. the other players were feeling about Zach. As somebody who's been in that locker room this year, there is a noticeable difference in how players relate to Mike White versus Zach Wilson. And Mike White feels like he is a part of the group. Like you see him play, like they're playing um, cornhole with, with Flacco and the offensive linemen, and, and they're just talking and laughing. And, you know, I talked to Garrett Wilson before that Bills game, heading into about why he loves Mike White so much. And he's like, there's none of that buffoonery with him. That was his word. And I was like, oh, okay. Meaning, he was saying, even when he was a backup, you're not going to catch him slipping up in a meeting, not paying attention. He's going to know, he's going to have the answer, the way he practices, the way he prepares. And, And one thing Garrett Wilson said was, you know, some guys, when they go to these big schools, He's not talking about Zach Wilson, but he says when they go to these big schools and they're the man, you've got to find where that chip is. Like, I went to Ohio State. Like, I get it. you got to find where that chip is. Like, Mike White going to Western Kentucky, like, he's a guy who's had to fight being an underdog that's different. He's beloved. The Mike effing white shirts, mm-hmm. like, the Mighty Ducks, the interrupting Pam Oliver, yeah. that is huge. You never saw that the, Zach the other, Quickly, the other piece of this that I think should be mentioned is do quarterbacks have to be handled differently? I, I, I hear what yeah. you guys are saying about, yeah, you got to treat some right. players this way and some that way. But the quarterback... quarterbacks do have to be handled differently in large part because they are such leaders. They have an impact on the rest of the locker room. Yeah. You can lose a team if you stick with a quarterback too long. You can gain a team if you put in the right guy. Right. If you were treating a quarterback differently because he's balling out, then no one cares. Right. If you start treating a quarterback differently and he's not playing well, it impacts everything else. So, yes, quarterback's a special position, but that doesn't mean you need to coddle. It, that means you need to be conscious of how your decisions and how you treat them impact the rest of the locker Generally speaking, and I have the utmost respect for both Steve and Alex Smith, and they are well entitled to their opinion. Right. As, as Just as a fan of the team, I actually think the coach has handled this reasonably well. Yeah, it's a well terrible so. situation. I think he's made the best of it under the circumstances that he has faced. In the meantime, let's answer the question. I don't know the question you're trying to ask. Be better tomorrow. I'm not answering that. That's a clown question, bro. Next. Next. Mike, why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? What else do you want to know? Next question. Your next question. Next question. Next question. I'm not going to answer any questions for you. Answer my question! The question, jerk! All right, it is that time where I will pose a series of hard-hitting, provocative questions, and Dominique Foxworth will answer them, whether he's ready to or not. Here we go. Neek. Will Tom Brady start more or less than one and a half playoff games the rest of his career? That's easy. I think it's more. I, I, yesterday on the show, we had people saying calling for Tom Brady's retirement. I'm on the other side. Keep playing, man. Play as long as you want because clearly this game means more to you than it does to me or anyone else in this world. Obvious, it seems obvious to me that they're going to back their way into a playoff game this year. The question is, does he pick the right spot next year to find his way back into the playoffs? 
with Tom Brady out there, with his choices, with the, the um, things that he's accomplished, I think he finds a way to get on another team to get back for one more playoff game next well, season. The, the other way to interpret more is they beat the yeah, Cowboys yeah, 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 I'm not. in the wild card round. Yeah, I, I'm not willing to go that far. I think it's going to take two seasons, but honestly, the way the Cowboys have been playing down in some of their competition, it could happen. If they do it, blow out the rundown, get up and going wall to wall. <laughs> All right, next. What is the most trustworthy unit right. in the entire NFL right now? I mean, I say it's the Kansas City Chiefs, but to be honest, I'm not talking about a unit. I'm talking about a man, yeah. Patrick Mahomes. So, like, I think you could have gone with the 49ers, but the Chiefs gave the 49ers defense that work. So, I believe that Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, obviously, also, I think that unit, they're the best offense in the league again this year. And I think the trust comes from having seen someone or a group do it over and over and over and over again. Since even before, Patrick Mahomes was the head of that unit. It was a pretty trustworthy unit. Now it's the best in football every year. All right, and then one more, which is kind of fun. Which was worse? Oh. The butt fumble or the collateral lateral from this weekend? <laughs> All right, Greeny. You're welcome. The butt fumble is off the hook. I think that the collateral lateral, if that's what we're calling it, was obviously worse. The butt fumble, the game was over. They mm. That was just like a, a joke. Yeah. This ended the game, and it was just a series of awful decisions, actually a pair of awful decisions, yeah. followed by an embarrassing moment. Like, I don't know which still image is the worst of all of this. Meaning between Mac Jones or or this is one bad image and a butt. Oh, it's, it's a bad image. It's a very bad image, but it did not decide the game. If they ended the game, if this was overtime, we're talking something different. Yeah, that other one was so much worse. It did come in on Thanksgiving night. Come in here, guys. It, it came on no. Thanksgiving night, so the whole world was watching. No. Kmart, you were no, there covering there. the I game. I was in the press box. I saw it all. The butt fumble is he ran into a man's behind. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's nothing that will ever top. That. And you were there. I had a front row seat. Yeah, I, I was like, I was, I was like right here, like, yo, he just ran into his butt, like, for real. <laughs> no, like, and it was like, like I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing and... around. I'm like, yo, where the ball? The ball literally was fumbled, right? There. That's Nico running towards the I'm end right there. Zone. Look, see, well, wow, he just He's did like, that. What? Oh, what? the ball. I agree with you. The image, the visual image yeah. of Mark Sanchez and the enormous buttocks of Brandon Moore <laughs> yes. are worse. Yes. Yeah. But the the play, the, the significance of the play of the collateral lateral, there's a lot of collateral damage that came from that. Meanwhile, as we continue, you'll hear one word that Jerry Jones used to describe his quarterback's play that has our crew shaking their heads. You'll hear the word and you'll hear our thoughts next. Get up on ESPN.